Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of the Golf Life Alberta Podcast. I am your host, Leah Snethin, and I can't believe it's already December. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm not sure where the year has gone. Um, I do have to say that I am glad that I only committed to one podcast a month. That was much more doable for me. There was one month that I kind of didn't have time to do it, but I did release two the following. So I stuck with the 12 episodes like I knew I would. And I don't see that changing next year unless something else changes. So I like this once a month thing. I know it's not as much as it used to be, but it's still good. Um, First things first, if you have not filled out that uh, Golf Life Alberta Awards survey, please go and do that. Um, We want to award the most popular courses, and there's so many different categories. Best value, hidden gem, best greens, um, best hole, hardest hole. Um, there's, there's so many things that, that is on that survey. So please go fill out whatever you can, whatever you have an opinion on and pass it along to all your golf buddies, because we want to get as many people, um, filling this out. We need as many opinions as possible. Okay. My interview today, I'm really excited about this one. I don't know if you guys are not, but man, if you know me, you know that I love me some big break. Um, that's why at the four day championship for the Alberta golf tour, we do a big break challenge. We break, well, it's not breaking glass. We break the paper. Uh, that's the next best thing. Um, we do the flop wall, all the things. So I love it. I've been obsessed with it since it was on super heartbroken when it went off the air. So, um, as you know, probably we've had an Albertan on the show before, actually twice. And she doesn't live in Alberta anymore. Um, She's actually in Arkansas, but um, I've been in touch with her a lot this year and I wanted to have her on the podcast. So I'm sure the name Christina LeCure um, sounds familiar to a lot of you. So I hope that you enjoy this interview with Christina and we'll catch you after. All right, everybody, we are here with, I guess, ex-Edmonton's own, <laughs> originally Edmonton's own, Christina LaCure. Christina, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited that I finally get to do this. Thank you for asking me. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, my pleasure. So if you guys um, don't recognize the name, which you probably do, um, I know I certainly became a big Christina fan when I first saw her on her first big break. Um, now, if you guys remember when COVID first started, what did the golf channel do? It started replaying all the big break episodes. Um, so I was addicted to that because I was addicted to the show when it was on heartbroken when it stopped. So like, I guess we'll, we'll go back, but since I'm talking about big break, why don't we talk about that experience right now? How cool was that for you? Yeah, girl. I don't know if this is a video or not, but that photo behind me was from big break. Number one, the photo beside it is from big break. Number two, I could kind of go on and on in my office here, but yeah, big break was amazing. So, uh, you know, we're kind of going to jump all over the place, but I started golf really late in life. And so I graduated, I was, uh, in my final year of college and, uh, the summer between my 
senior year and like when I graduated, I was headed to tour school. Um, I got a call. I interviewed for the big break. Like it's actually an audition. I was playing golf on a mini tour, the cactus tour in Phoenix and a girlfriend of mine, um, my old golf coach from here in Arkansas, I now uh, live in Arkansas. And she called me and she said, there's a show called big break. They're doing uh, auditions in Arizona. You should do it while you're out there. And it's like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. Whatever did this quick little interview. I mean, it was like an hour long, filled out some paperwork, hit some shots, did a quick, like, you know, on camera interview. And that was it. And I remember I did that filming sometime in the summer, like June, July, August type of situation. But I remember exactly when they called me because I was preparing for final stage of Q school and it was the day before my birthday. So my birthday's in October and I got a phone call and I thought it was really weird. And I talked to them and this actually made, (laughs) this doesn't make as much sense nowadays, but back then it was like, they called me and they said, Hey, this is the production team from big break. Uh, We have selected you to do big break in Katapali, Hawaii. Um, The only criteria is we have to find out that you're a female at birth. (laughs) So nowadays that might not be a big deal, but back then you had to actually be a girl girl on the show. And uh, I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm in then funny enough. And uh, yeah, that was my first experience was big break Hawaii, Katapali and dear God, it's so long ago. I think that was in 2009. Wow. God, that doesn't, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And then the second one that you did was like a partner one, wasn't it? Yeah. So big break, um, Hawaii. I was like an absolute shit show. I was panned. Um, am I allowed to pass on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, it was an absolute shit show. I was like, totally made out to be like the evil villain on the show. And like, I told her, Oh yeah. Do you not remember that? I told her. I don't remember that. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. So I am such a competitive human being and they like, when they like reality shows are basically like they take a position and they audition for a position. And I was definitely like pitted as going to be like the dumb blonde. Well, (laughs) they had my mark wrong because I was like literally the most competitive one on the show. And, uh, we were on like maybe day three or day four of filming. And all the girls on the show pretty much knew each other because they had been playing professionally for a while. They've been playing the mini tours together for a while. And I didn't really know anyone. It was like, there was two of us who really weren't like in the golf scene at the time. Like I said, I was fresh out of uh, college when I got the show. And on day three or day four of filming, I thought I was getting along with everyone. And obviously my competitive spirit comes out and I'm about a hundred. I'm in the, I go to the elimination challenge or whatever it was. And I am in with another girl and I'm about a hundred yards away from this girl. Like no way she can hear me, but under my breath, I'm like, man, I hope she chokes. And they got it on camera and sure enough, they played it on the trailer for episode after episode after episode they told all the other girls that I said it and then it turned into this like disaster where everyone hated Christina the goal was to get Christina off it totally shot my confidence it was like the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my life and thank god social media didn't exist in 2009 or it literally like it was blogs yeah yeah it wasn't what what today was so my first big break experience was like, even though it was amazing for the exposure, it was an absolute life killer for me in general. It was horrible situation. So I never thought I would do it again. And I never thought that they would call me again, like myself and this, this bigger, you know, um, lesbian woman got in a fight on the first show because she hated me and she was the one who was trying to get me off the show. And so I, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever do another big break. And sure enough, they called me like, 
you know, I think it was like a year and a half later and they're like, hey, we want you and Lori, this girl that I got in a fight with, to come back and do the reunion show. And I literally thought about it because I was like, that was like the crappiest experience ever. Golf Channel was amazing, but it was like a crappy experience. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this again. But, you know, I had been working on my mindset at the time. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go into it with a different mentality this time. And it ended up being great though. We, I did the second one in Dominican Republic and it was, she was actually on my team because it was girls versus the boys. And uh, we ended up winning big break Dominican. So that was, that was good. (laughs) And are you guys like good now or did you kind of 20 years later, we're totally good or however many years (laughs) I haven't seen her. We actually, like you were talking about though, in the beginning, uh, what we were talking about is how Golf Channel did kind of like a uh, reunion thing in the beginning of COVID. They were playing all of the, like the shows again. Well, uh, Big Break Conopoly was trying to play off that and they had us all come on and do a Zoom together. And it was the first time since probably 2011 or 12. So, you know, a long time ago, 10 years ago that I had seen Lori and the rest of the crew that like, you know, and, and it's water under the bridge. It's such a long time ago, but in the, at the time you think it's like this big massive deal and people are all invested in it but it was a great experience like I will tell you the golf channel was phenomenal it was you know it it really did fast forward my career into the corporate golf scene you know I did corporate and charity golf outings for a really long time I hosted events and really that was kind of like the springboard for what I did so I'm I'm hugely blessed by the opportunity for sure yeah so tell us a little bit about that. We'll, we'll, we'll eventually get to the beginning, but let's talk about <laughs> while we're talking here. So that yeah. you ended up, so you said you got that first call on your way to the final stage of Q school. So, so what happened at, at Q school after you got that call? Yeah, so I graduated. So I, I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta. I came down to college in 2002 or three, and I had graduated. Um, I like I I did really. So I started playing. Going back to the beginning, I started playing golf really, really late in life. I was 18 years old. Two years later, I've got a full scholarship at Central Arkansas. I played all four years. I won five times. I was an All American. So I graduated in 2007, and. Um, some amazing human beings from the Blackhawk Golf Club in Edmonton, Alberta. Um, a couple of guys got together and, and sponsored me for about two years. I had maybe like thirty or $40,000, which sounds like a lot, but it's like peanuts when you're spending you know, thousands and thousands of dollars each week to play, but I'm so blessed still to this day. I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity. So I graduated in 2007. I went to, made it to final stage of Q school. I went through three rounds, made it to final stage of Q school that year. Big break had called me and it was kind of like a mind screw to be hundred percent honest with you, because they called me right before final stage and said, listen, you're in, you're headed to Hawaii after tour school unless you get your card. And so in part of my brain was like, damn, I don't get to do the show or damn, I'm not going to like, it was like kind of like a both and situation. And at the time I probably shouldn't have let it bother me as much as I did, but you know, I'd only been playing golf for like basically six years when this opportunity had come up and college and, and final stage of tour school. So that year I ended up missing my card by two strokes. It was the closest I ever come to getting, um, full status out on tour. It was like by far, they changed up the rules after that year. I think 2007 was the last year where they did it based on numbers. It's much harder now. Um, even back then I couldn't 
I didn't do it. So, <laughs> um, I ended up missing my card by two strokes, went over to Hawaii that year. Um, and then I ended up playing for two more years professionally, trying to chase it on the mini tours and things like that. I never played a real sanctioned LPGA event. I just wasn't good enough. Um, you know, long story short, very, very short is I just wasn't good enough. And I didn't have the mindset for it. I probably, if I would have continued to play, I probably would have, you know, played an event here and there, but probably not had a ton of true success. I think my biggest um, strength was that I worked harder than most people and I was really grindy. I've just never been a truly a, an amazing golfer. I'm just so competitive that I was good enough, but not good enough. And I learned pretty quickly that, you know, in order to make somewhat of a decent living out there, you really got to be within like worst case and, and everyone's different. What's a decent living, but I just learned pretty quickly that I wanted to make a lot of money in this world and I wanted to do great things. And so I want, I had to be in like top 50 in order to do so. And I knew that I wasn't even sniffing that. So that's when I got into uh, hosting corporate and charity golf events. I remember I was playing the mini tours and I was doing local sports radio here in Arkansas at the time. And someone called into the show and said, Hey, would you ever come out to our golf tournament and hit shots and I thought what people get paid for that I'm like this is amazing where do I sign and uh, that was the beginning of my journey into the corporate charity golf world and no one really had done it before I kind of paved a path for um, you know basically being paid to show up to do golf tournament appearances without having any tour status so it was a uh, it was a really cool experience well, you know, what's funny. I, because I'm such a big break fan, uh, auto Canadian, huge fan, um, you know, like David Byrne, he, I mean, he's on tour, right. And or he's on the McKenzie tour now. Um, and Kent eager, I know was from Regina, which is where I'm from. So there is, there's a few Canadian names where it was like, Oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. But, um, I do remember following another big breaker. She was also pitted as, you know, the villain in her season, Mackenzie Ling, I think is her last name. Okay. Um, and she's kind of, she got some girls together after that. And I see her post actually on LinkedIn all the time. She's that that's her gig now too. So it's interesting. Yeah. That the show kind of gives you that, I guess, fame or celebrity status and, and helps you kind of springboard into something more like that, I guess. Yeah, it was, it's just interesting. I think that, you know, I've, I, I called myself, I said I had the trifecta and you can take this for what it's worth. It's true. Um, I had a decent amount of golf skill. I had a decent amount of looks, but the thing that I did really well is power of human connection. So I could really bullshit quite well. I can read a person extremely well, obviously it's part of what I do now too, but I did those three things really, really well. And I didn't have to be the best looking person. I didn't have to be the best golfer in the world. If I did those three things almost like pretty well, like at least 75% well, I had a ton of success. I mean, there was girls who are way better looking than me that had, you know, millions of followers on social media that had big appearances, but they weren't able to make the connections with the clients on the golf course. There was people that were way better golfers than me, but they didn't have, you know, the looks or the personality to, to be able to connect. And I think that's the reason why so many events hired me back year after year after year. And I will say that like, I got paid probably the most out of any one of those people 
people, you know, I always encourage women now to command their worth. And I know that there's a lot of people that were trying to do what I did and they wondered how it happened. Number one, I was just the biggest hustler on the planet. I've always worked hard. I've always figured out a way to yes. But I also knew the value that I brought. And some of these people nowadays are doing charity events for like $500. I was getting paid a minimum of $10,000 a day by the end of what I was actually doing. It didn't start that way, but I just knew if I could provide the skill and I could show up and give the best quality product, I was going to have a lot of success. And I branded myself well. And um, yeah, it was just a really interesting um, career path for quite some time, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. So Let's rewind then yeah. now that we've talked about that <laughs> middle portion of your life. Um, so you grew up in Edmonton. What let's, let's give some people some relatability. What high school did you go to in Edmonton? Oh my gosh, this is so fun back in the day. Yeah. I went to uh, Scona. I went, I grew up in uh Brander garden. I actually, that's not true. I grew up in Westlock Edmund or I went from, I was born in Edmonton until I think I lived there until I was like one or two years old. And then my dad was, um, a golf pro. He was in the golf industry, my dad and his brothers. So people always ask, which liqueur is your dad? And my dad is Tony liqueur, but there was Doug liqueur, Gary liqueur, Ron liqueur. They were all in the golf hockey world, but my dad is Tony. And, um, my dad was the head pro at Westlock golf course for gosh, I don't even know. I'm going to estimate 10, 12 years. I have no idea. I was there. I went there when I was like two. So I kind of grew up there. And then when I was in grade, I think I was in grade five, when we moved to Edmonton, my dad was still the pro, but he went back and forth. My mom wanted to live in the city. So so I, uh, we lived in uh, Riverbend. We lived in the Brander Gardens area. I went to Brander Gardens School for, I think, grade five and grade six. And then I went to uh, Riverbend Junior High. And from Riverbend, I went to Scona. Awesome. I'm sure there's a few Edmonton people listening that are like, hey, yeah. that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your family's background in golf. You know, your dad is, I believe, like a lifetime member of the PGA of Alberta. You've got brothers, Ryan and Steven, who, who have kind of, you know, tried to make it playing as well. Tell us a little bit about this, this golfing family. And, and did that, I guess, have any say in, in your, you know, your late start, you know, not necessarily wanting to follow in those footsteps, but then realizing, well, Hey, I'm actually really good at this. Maybe I should. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So I grew up on a golf course since I was in diapers. I mean, there's pictures of me in diapers, literally on a golf course. I never really was one to be interested in golf. The thing that I was most interested in, which is kind of still true to this day is like the entrepreneurial side. I mean, I remember cleaning golf clubs as like literally probably an eight-year-old is trying to get like a dollar like I hunted golf balls <laughs> and like I sold them to my dad for like 50 cents you know like that was kind of like what I enjoyed and I started working so I was the youngest and the only female to work in a back shop at a private country club in Edmonton I, I was the I was the OG folks like I started that I remember Which one? was it the, Black Hawk? Uh, no, it wasn't Black. Blackhawk wasn't even built back then. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. The Derek. It was the Derek. The Derek. So I started working at the Derek when I was like 14. Carrie Ketter, who I think he's in BC now. Uh, I don't, <laughs> gosh, I hope he's still well. <laughs> I loved him. But anyway, um, he hired me. I was 14 years old. I had to wear a men's golf shirt and a men's golf pants because I had to match the back shop 
outfit. I worked back there. I worked for at the at the Derek Club for years. I don't know how many years exactly. Probably at least five, six, seven years. And then from there, uh, so I did that. I did a great job. They moved me up into the pro shop. But the thing that I learned when I was at uh, the Derek Club, and that was my last year there, is um, I'm like, okay, I get to hang out with the dudes all day. I'm such a guy. Like, I love it. But they all go play golf after work. Well, shoot, I better learn how to play golf because I want to hang out with the guys. And that is the only reason why I started playing golf. I never touched a golf club like my brothers growing up. I just wanted to learn how. And so I was, uh, I remember I graduated high school. I went backpacking for three months by myself, New Zealand and Fiji came home that summer is when I picked up a golf club. And that summer I broke 190 and 80. And then in the next summer, I won the first three golf tournaments I ever played in. And then the summer after that is when I went to Arkansas. Wow. So not many people can say that they <laughs> improved that quickly. Wow. That's super impressive. So were you taking lessons? Like was, was your dad or your brothers helping you with your swing or how did you get that good that fast? I think I, I obviously had a little bit of natural talent, but I just worked hard. Like that's my whole entire, like, <laughs> that's how I've, I've done this whole thing called life. I've just worked harder than most people. Um, but I remember the thing that probably pushed me the best. So I, I started that first year, that, that year that I broke 90, 80 and 70, I, I started that year at the Derrick. And then the very next year I went to go work for Daryl McDonald at Mill Woods. I worked for Daryl, I think for maybe three years, but Daryl did me a huge solid that year. So there's three people that have been monumental in the Edmonton area that were besides my dad, obviously, um, Carrie Ketter, um, Daryl McDonald and Al Prokop. Those three people like totally blessed me in like still to this day, I think all of them for, you know, giving me each a little bit of a start Carrie for hiring a girl. And then Daryl McDonald bought me my very first set of golf clubs. I'd never had clubs. I just always used like rentals, but I remember I was working for Daryl. And one of the things that he did was buy all his shop staff, um, a set of clubs for the year. Cause that's just what they got. Right. And he did the same for me. And I still have those ping irons in my garage. Cause they've got my name on them on the hosel. Yeah, that was my very first set of golf clubs. And I've really only had like probably four sets of clubs since then. Like, I mean, I just, you know, I, whatever. I, I've only had two putters in my whole life. But I remember that summer, again, I was working in the bar industry at night in the golf industry during the day. And one of the coolest things about it was the fact that um, the guys allowed me to play in the money games with them. The Friday money games were all the pros, Daryl McDonald, uh, you know, I can't even think of all the uh, Pierre Boschman, uh, I, all of the guys from Edmonton who are good players all used to come out and play Mill Woods on a Friday. They allowed me to play with them. So I played a set, I think two, one or two sets of tees up, but I had the money from working in the bar industry to be able to put in and they let me put in, you know, a couple hundred bucks, whatever it was to play the money game. But that was the biggest lesson. And I hope people take this away. And it's just like anything in life is be around people who are better than you. That's how I've had a ton of success in my life. I've been around a ton of successful people. And I always want to be around people who are better than me. But I learned that lesson in golf. That's how I got good quick is I was around people who are much better than me. And I learned really quickly what to do, what not to do. I was a sponge. I, I always wanted to be around people who are better than me. I wanted everyone kicking my ass because that just made me get better quicker. And I think that that was one of the keys to how I got so good so fast. That is an awesome story. Um, I think Daryl McDonald is retiring soon. I feel like yeah, he probably is watching yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
he was he was a good guy. And then uh, Al Prokop, he when he built uh, Blackhawk the very first year, Carrie uh, was the pro that first year. And Al, they hired me to come work there. And I, I worked there for two years. I, I worked there my first year. I was here at Arkansas the summer I came home. Um, I came to Central Arkansas, played my freshman year, went home that summer. Uh, worked at Blackhawk. Then I came home and worked the second summer there. And then I've been down here ever since. That's super cool. And now you're still playing money games against oh, yeah, the old girl. guys down there. <laughs> I mean, I love my life. Like I play better golf now than I've ever played when I was actually trying to play golf. I will tell you that that is just like such a lesson. I enjoy it so much now. Um, I, I work a lot, I, but I do try to put in my schedule um, at least once tried to do once a week, maybe once every two weeks, um, to get my, I call it my old man money games. I don't care if I'm playing for a hundred dollars or $500, $10. I don't really care. I'm so competitive. I just, I love it so much. I actually, um, I, I say, you know, in my, the world that I exist now, the coaching world, I call it like I manifested my, uh, country club. I, I remember I graduated college and there was this beautiful country club in Little Rock. So I, I went to school right in Conway and right outside of Conway is Little Rock there's this beautiful country club and every once in a while like once every three or four months I was able to go out there and practice and I always thought to myself I was like damn this is where I want to be a member and you know fast forward I the end I was practicing at one time right out of college and this man walked up to me and he just started talking to me because I was you know a pro golfer quote-unquote pro golfer at the time and we talked and he bought me like a sandwich and a Gatorade or something like that because if I was allowed out there I'd get there at seven o'clock and I wouldn't leave until the sun goes down you know it was just like one of those experiences but fast forward like however many years later 10 years later he's now the guy who bought me a sandwich is one of my best friends out of the club and we play money games together so it's kind of a kind of full circle cool moment yeah for sure now the golf's got to be very different down there. I would imagine. What do you mean by that? Um, well, number one, the temperature, number two, the grass <laughs> types, like that okay. was our big thing when we went down to Miami. And I mean, I don't know what kind of grass they have in Arkansas, but the, the Bermuda that we played in Florida, like just watching Tyler, like even on pitch shots, you know, the ball would spin different. It would fly different. Was, was it a transition to get used to playing golf in the states versus what i guess you didn't play up in i in barely Alberta played all that in much. Canada. Yeah, yeah i barely played in canada i played like th- like i said i played like maybe two and a half three years in canada but yeah the grass is totally different here we have something called bermuda down here it catches the club face a little differently there's um grain on the greens so you learn to read uh greens a little bit difficult there's like grain you know a lot of your listeners probably travel to the states and things like that you go to down to uh palm or phoenix or whatever it is but um in in the south our temperatures are super super hot down here so um you know bent grass dies quite easily so we put something called championship bermuda in that like can take the heat a lot of the courses do this now there is like an augusta that will always use like bent grass because they have underground you know cooling systems and things like that but if you want to be able to keep your greens we call it keeping our greens so like a lot of greens die in the heat so if you want to be able to keep your greens we do 
either fans or you change to championship Bermuda. And I'll be honest, I'm not saying it's just because it's my club, but like my greens are the absolute, absolute bomb. Like they're the best greens ever during the summer because we have a really high quality championship Bermuda. But yeah, the grass is a little bit different. I think the ball sits on them. You guys can grow your rough really, really long just the type of grass obviously I'm not super educated on types of grass and things like that but yeah it's a little bit different but it's just what I've known I mean my god I've been down here in Arkansas for next year's coming up 20 years which is insane to even think that I'm that old yeah Yeah. wow that's yeah that's a long time crazy so let's let's transition a little bit um back to okay now we'll fast forward back to where we stopped about the middle of your career um you know you you said towards the end of your corporate career um you know you're bringing in kind of 10 grand per per showing and but that was towards the end so then what happened yeah so i i was fortunate that i had a lot of success. I had like a lot of great clients. Not every event was paying that, you know, some of my old clients were only still paying me like the five grand, but it's a lot of travel. And you know what happened to be hundred percent honest with you? I had an agent at the time who had a real life conversation to me and I will never forget this. I was going through a tunnel in Baltimore, Maryland, and my agent had me on the phone, which I, he was frustrated at me. I was frustrated at him and he didn't get me a ton of events. I always worked harder than most people to get my own shit, but he's said to me, Christina, you don't have a career. You have a one-off. You better create a brand and you better create a career. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck you. Who else do you know makes over six figures doing what they're doing that doesn't really actually have a reason to do what they're doing? As much as I was mad, he was right. And I, I knew at any moment in time, a client could stop hiring me. I knew at any moment in time I could break a leg. I knew I was getting older. I knew that like, yes, I was being hired for my looks in some regard. I was being hired for my personality, which is probably never going away. But you know, if you've, and some clients had hired me literally for 10 years straight, I had done the same event for 10 years over and over and over. And I, you know, I had kind of thought he was right in some regard. And I didn't love the golf aspect of it. I will tell you, I don't love golf. I love competition and I love people. So when I'm going out to the golf course and I get so excited that I get to go play golf on a beautiful day, number one, it's outside. I love that. (laughs) Number two, I love the competition. And number three, the thing that I probably love the most is human connection. That's what I was really good at. But I learned a lot through my corporate career. I learned a lot being around very, very successful human beings. And a lot of the things that I learned was the power of the mind, the power of creating your own reality. And I'll be honest, when I was, um, you know, most people who know me, who follow me over on Instagram or Facebook, um, mostly Instagram is B Christina is my social media handle, B-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-N-E. That's where you can come follow me. But um, I had, my whole identity was based on how I played golf. And I was a really miserable human being, to be 100% honest with you. For probably about 10 years, I was a really miserable human being. I was chasing golf because that's what I was told was going to make me happy. I didn't like myself. I didn't like 
pretty much anything about my life for a, a good solid 10 years. I had a horrible eating disorder. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing on the planet. I didn't find a ton of joy in chasing the golf and basing my worth on what I did and how I looked and how much money I was making and all the things. And so when I was about 27 years old, I kind of had a, like a rock bottom moment thinking like, what the fuck am I even doing right now? And that's really when I dove into the power of the mind, coaching, mindset, work, confidence, all the things. And I really was on like probably a three or four year journey of healing myself and figuring out like what actually truly made me happy. And, you know, I, at the time I was still doing the golf events and I enjoyed parts of it, but overall, like I really wasn't a truly happy human being. And then once I started like becoming a different version of myself and showing up in a different way through the the mindset work through the, you know, the woo woo world, a, a lot of people call it, you know, like, but really it's just like the power of the mind. So if, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but some people know like who Tony Robbins is, you know, he's probably the biggest guru, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that believe that once you change your mind, you change your life. And I am a hundred percent walking, breathing, like proof of that possible. And so I started changing my life by changing my mind, my thoughts and who I was going to be on this planet. And people started to notice, they asked me like, how am I so positive? How am I so confident? How am I doing the things that I'm doing in this life? And that's really when my coaching business started to take off. And so I transitioned between um, the golf world. So I was doing maybe like 20% less events and then doing more coaching. And then over the last probably four and a half, five years, my coaching business has really taken off. And now I help people lean into their confidence, change their mind. The power of the mind changes your life and your business. And um, that's what I do now full time. And I'm absolutely obsessed with what I get to do. And I, um, yeah, that's what I do now. So it's, so golf is kind of like a, a, a part-time deal. <laughs> and you, you enjoy it more now, now that it's oh, not for a sure. pressure situation, right? For sure. 110%. Like, I mean, golf is just a beautiful, I I've, my life would not be anywhere the same if I wasn't in the golf world, if I wasn't around the people that I had the pleasure of being around what I learned from, I take a ton of the things that I learned, um, on the golf course and the people that I was around into my coaching business now, because it's just a huge blessing. Golf has just been a huge blessing in my life, but you know, for a long time, golf was my identity and it's no longer my identity it's identity. It's just something that I enjoy. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we Try our best to relate all the woo-woo mindset stuff to golf so that oh, maybe if the people who are listening to this aren't into it, I know my husband doesn't understand why I could ever be into this, um, yeah. but it is easy. And especially for a golfer, the confidence, the limiting mindset beliefs, like, like all of these things that you can overcome can actually if, if you want it to improve your golf game too, right? Oh, hundred percent. Think about why the best people in the world now have now have some sort of mindset coach, why they have some sort of psychologist, golf psychologist. I mean, the best athletes in the world all have them because honestly, when you get to a certain life, especially of golf, uh, you know, the best pros out there, it really actually, they all hit it the same. They all putt the same. They all do the same, but the people who are having all probably the most amount of success is the people who, you know, have got it between the years. And so like the power of the mind will literally change your whole entire life. You can change 
anything, your relationships, your business, your income, your golf by changing your mind. And like, I believe it, like the sky is blue, white is rice. Like it's all of the things it's a hundred percent. I'm walking, living, breathing proof, but think about it like this. Like, so you're on the golf course, right. And all of a sudden you're just like, bullshitting with the guys you got a few cocktails in you you have like that perfect beer buzz where you're hitting it well the reason why that is is because your mind's not coming into it you're not like so we think about a child to another another example look at a little kid who grabs a golf club and just puts the ball into the hole and you're just like wow how the hell does that little kid just do that right because there's no thinking behind it it's like club hit ball hole like they know what they're doing right they don't think like where is it going to break? What's the wind doing? Like, shouldn't I do this? People are watching. What is my score that I'm in my best round ever? You know, it's that zone. We've all heard of it as an athlete. It's that zone. Well, the power of what, you know, I believe to be true is that you can create that zone in your life as much as you want. You can create that zone in your relationships. You can create that zone in your business. You can create that zone in your uh, health and wellness. You can create that zone for your personal life, whatever the fuck it is. But like that, it, it's the easiest yet. It's the hardest thing to do. I can give you all of the strategy at the end of the day. Like it's very, 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 very simple shit, but the hard part comes in actually implementing it and doing it consistently. Like that's freaking it. I can tell you exactly what to do on the golf course, but it's just a matter of actually doing it. And that's where, you know, the best of the best, that's the reason why they rise to the top. But yeah, think about it. Like golf is actually super fucking easy. Grab a club and hit it. Right. Like, but we screw ourselves up by thinking about, you know, how to hold it, you know, how hard to hit it. Where's it going to break? What are people going to think? Was someone watching me? What's my score? All of the things. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I know I have, people will text me all the time. I've got so many players on the tour, for example, who have been around for three, four, five, seven years and haven't been able to pull out a win yet. 100%. Right. And, but the, it's like the longer they stay on tour and the longer they play without getting a win, the more their confidence gets shot because the more they start overthinking everything and it's actually having the reverse effect. And it's, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Think about the guy at your club who everyone's like, wow, why isn't that guy on tour? Wow. Why isn't that guy on tour? He's the best player at the club. Like he's, we have these guys at my club too. Like I'll play a money game with them. They'll shoot 65 and skin everyone. They go play in like the state championship and they ate, they shoot 83. Like it's just because that it's a pressure thing. It's the mindset thing. It's like, being able to do it under the gun, right? Like they say sometimes too, like the stupidest players on tour. So we could all think of some of the dumbest idiots out on the PGA tour is probably because they're not, because they literally just aren't thinking, you know, you either got to be real. People have always said, you got to be really, really smart to play golf or really, really, really stupid to play golf. It's the people in the middle that kind of screw themselves over, but that is really like the training of the mind, right? How can you find the joy? How can you find the abundance? I guarantee you, and people can believe this if they want, but I can almost guarantee you every single time I know based on my day and my mindset, how I'm going to shoot for the day. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, other circumstances that could kind of come in, like, you know, if I get tired because I have blood sugar issues or whatever, but overall, I can tell you if I'm going to play rock solid, like I know, I just know it. Like, how's my mindset going into the day? I can almost tell you to a fucking T how I'm going to play golf, like hours before I even get to the golf course. 
it's all be nice. Online. I'm definitely not. I'm not that way, but that's also because I used to think, you know, that beer buzz that you were talking about. Yeah. I, I would maybe overdo it a little. Um, did you know, this is, this is my fun fact of the year. Um, these wonderful Contigo bottles are 750 mils as is a bottle of wine. <laughs> no way. That's hilarious. Do you know another fun fact? I've never played golf while intoxicated. Never even probably had a drink on the golf course. I don't understand. Isn't that crazy? I, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I did. However, it was August long. We had our tournament out at, uh, it was Sear Creek and Silvertip this year and ended up in some weird situation where I was paying for a player anyways. So I ended up playing, but I had to take CJ with me, my three-year-old at the time he was two. Um, so I wasn't drinking and I actually played decent. And I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. It's <laughs> Maybe both. I it's don't a- have to drink an entire bottle of wine just to swing a golf club. <laughs> it's a both end situation. And what I mean by that is like, sometimes you can be totally fine. And sometimes you can't like, it is literally a both end situation. It can happen. It can happen either way. That's true. It's true. Um, okay. Well, really quickly before we wrap this up, I want to do a really quick rapid fire with you. Oh, so fun. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. Tiger or Phil? Tiger. 110%. Bryson or Patrick? I don't care for either of them. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Uh, Favorite major? Oh, the Masters, no question. No ifs, ands, or buts. No one can die unless they've gone to Augusta. And thank God I've gone to Augusta. I need to go to Augusta. Oh my God, you haven't been? No. Oh no. my God, Leah. We need to work on this together, okay? Oh, yes. Unbelievable. Greatest place on the fucking planet. Hands I already together. think that, and I've never even been near it. Oh my God. It's eight. So, you know how people like work things up in their mind? You're like, eh, they say it's that good or whatever. This is one of those places that like everyone tells you it's that good, and then you go and it's better, just so you know. So, on the masters that took place in November, like the makeup one from the original COVID. Yeah. Year. And they had like, cause there was no Only patrons 10, allowed. Right. Yeah. And they had drones flying all over and stuff. Like you could see the undulation of, of the entire land, like so much better than you ever could from just like the camera stands. And I just was blown away by how much more intense it actually looked from those camera angles than I'd ever seen before. So I it's can only imagine mind blowing mind-blowing oh Oh, god okay okay we need to work on this um I was gonna ask you favorite Alberta golf course but I'm not sure oh yeah I I love oh yeah I played a bunch up there for sure I did corporate events up there companies brought me up into Canada all the time (laughs) um I would say JPL is probably one of my absolute favorites I just love the experience there I just love like the way that you feel at JPL for sure I like that. I, I'm a big proponent of like the full experience. I'm not, totally. I'm not really a design buff, but yeah, I'm an experience. The experience, buff. totally. And I think and Jasper does. provides both. Jasper's amazing. I yeah. love it. Um, favorite golf course in the world? 
Um, I always say that um, it is the dinosaur course in Palm Springs, just because I've shot my best score in like a competitive round there. I shot like 66, um, my first um, round of tour school. I don't know what year, maybe 2008, 2009. It was like my final year. I was like tied for third after the first round or some shit like that. Like I hold out for Eagle. Like it was dumb. Like I played, played lights out. And then I, I think I made the cut like on the number. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And one more. Yeah. Uh, dead or alive. What would your dream foursome be? Um, good question. Probably Arnie tiger and then you know you always just have to throw it in there your dad uh you know my dad arnie and tiger probably yeah for sure i'm i'm very very blessed i've i've have pictures with arnie on my wall jack on my wall david on my wall fairy like uh, i've had a pretty cool uh yeah, I got a pretty cool experience. Even just this week, I played golf with, uh, I was over at an event with Ernie Els, Nick Price, Jack was there, Kenny, like there's just a bunch of guys. So I'm very, very grateful and blessed to have had the experiences that I've had in golf for sure. Absolutely. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much, Christina, for joining us today. This is awesome. And I know everyone's going to be very excited to hear from an original Albertan and and what you've been up to down in the States. Yeah, absolutely. Come find me on social media. I definitely do a lot of motivational content. Like I said, I'm at B Christina, B-E-C-H-R-S-T-I-N-A, because I encourage everyone every single day to be themselves. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun with that interview. Uh, Christine is so much fun to talk to. So make sure that you fill out that Golf Life Alberta Awards survey. Pass it on to everyone you know, all of your golf buddies. Give it to your managers at your golf club to pass on to all the members. We need as many opinions as we can get so that this is as accurate as possible for the way golfers in this province feel about everything here. There's other categories too, like best customer experience. I'm all about that. That's how I personally rate golf courses. Um, There's best lesson series or um, I guess program. I don't know. I don't even know how I worded it on there. But you know, I kind of had in mind things like golf and tacos or um, the project fitness or um, DM Golf Fit, you know, there's a whole bunch of different unique things out there within the golf world that aren't necessarily, um, you know, on a golf course that need to be recognized as well. Best fitter. If you've been fit for golf clubs, tell me about it. Were they awesome? I want to know. Um, that's that's the type of person that doesn't get recognized anywhere else. So we want to recognize the courses, the people, the programs, and be able to kind of give them a bit of a platform to build off of. Anywho, that's it for me this week, month. I'm not really sure. I might do a year-end wrap-up with Ryan before the end of the year, but I'm not going to promise that. In case I don't, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all that good stuff. And make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GolfLifeAB. And check out the website at GolfLifeAB.com. 